Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. The strong, the powerful Jody Hume is here on Money Savage Create. Welcome, Jody. Hey, George. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to be talking to you. Jody provides decision support and issue triage for entrepreneurs. She is the co-host of the Here's the of the So Here's My Story podcast, and she's also in a band. And, and, and I, I don't know what role you are in in, in, in I the band. I sing and I sing and I. You know, I, I'm getting good enough at guitar now. I guess I could say I play guitar. Um, I sound a lot better when I'm playing with our real guitars than I do mm. when I'm playing on my own. But I play well enough now that I, I can kind of keep up. So, Well, that's awesome. All right. Yeah, so yeah. singer and one day lead guitarist as well. So Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Jody, give us a little bit more about the personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Yeah, happy to. It's funny. Until about uh, probably three or four months ago, I have always told the story of how and why I do what I do starting around college because that's that's where it's that sort of flow becomes obvious. You know, I got out of college and this happened and then that happened and I ended up here and then this 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 went this way. And and that story is, is interesting. Um, and, I'm, and I can touch on some of those high points. But very recently, I've realized that the work that I am doing now, the the core of what I do now, which does fall into a funny category somewhere between coaching and consulting and like business therapy um, that doesn't really have its own name yet. But I have actually been doing that work. And this sounds silly, but literally since I was like five or six years nice. old, <laughs> because because my mom was an entrepreneur and her parents were entrepreneurs. And I, I grew up with with leadership decisions and conversations all around me. And and my parents didn't keep decisions from us and they didn't make decisions for us, which was another interesting thing. Um, I would often have friends say, oh, you're so lucky that you get to make your own decisions. I was like, eh, it's not always all it's cracked up to be. It's a, a lot of pressure. But that was really important to them that we learn how to make decisions. And my mom involved me in her decisions. You know, I, I've Sometimes when I've talked about this, people say, well, that's not very appropriate. You were little. You shouldn't have been. But so whatever <laughs> it does. Maybe that's true. It doesn't matter. Um, it, she talked to me about the things in her life and in her business and in the organizations that she was involved in. And I can remember being really, really young and just I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's my version of I see dead people. But like I could tell the difference when she was talking about like if she was spinning her wheels on something, whether she was she was spinning her wheels and like dragging her feet because down deep she knew something was a bad idea or if like she was spinning her wheels because down deep it was a good idea, but it was just scary. That feels totally different. Yeah. Or or a lot of times with her, if she was spinning her wheels and couldn't decide, it was either because she had a bunch of like fears and fictions woven in with some actual facts that needed to be dealt with and they needed to be separated or a lot of times she was exhausted hmm. and I can remember being like pretty young but certainly there were times we were on the phone in college when I was an adult where I would say we're not you, you need to go rest and get a good night's sleep and then we'll talk about this tomorrow if it's still a thing but it just has a different feel when you're just depleted or run down and exhausted and what's important about that 
and why I think there needs to be a lot more of this in the world and why I do everything about my business is now structured around this is I think when coaching or consulting or therapy, all those things feel like this big decision of a thing that you, well, I need to hire a coach or I'm going to have to get myself a consultant or I don't know, use my serious voice. I need to find a therapist. Hmm. And it's this big project and this big thing you step into when I actually think what most people need is this more like light touch, asynchronous, diagnostic decision support where at that moment of feeling that way, you can just quick touch discuss something with somebody because honestly, sometimes my clients just need a nap or they need like an yeah. afternoon off. And then they call me back, they're like, never mind. I like if I offered them a hamburger or a cheeseburger in that moment, they wouldn't be able to decide. It has nothing to do with hmm. the decision. And so getting to the bottom of, of of like the root cause of a thing and what is actually going on here and do you actually have a problem or are you just avoiding a tough conversation or you know and you kind of you kind of sort through all the things and you get down to that fact and then you can solve that factual problem but there's there's this like diagnostic quick touch piece in the beginning that I think a lot of us don't have places to take those conversations Seth Godin says uh if you have a problem you can't talk about, now you have two problems. That's funny. And yeah, yeah. And so everything in my business uh, works to have that not be the case. I, <clears throat> if you have a problem and you can't talk about it, now you have two problems. I think that yeah. it maybe takes a second to, to, to have that really sink in. Because uh, if you don't have somebody that you can turn to or bounce something off of easily, which is sort of what we're talking about, right? Uh, mm-hmm. then it just sort of sits there and, and it yeah. doesn't get addressed. And I don't necessarily need to engage with McKinsey or some other consulting firm. I maybe no. just need to be able to pick up the phone or call somebody uh, to, to to your point, just, just bounce it off of. Yeah, so for the first few years, I had my coaching and facilitation practice after I left the, the architecture firm. Um, I was following the model that you, know, you do what you do. You you follow other people's models of things. So we I'd have a coaching client. It would be every three, you know, every two weeks we'd meet on Tuesdays or whatever. And we just were never hitting the pulse of the thing. Even though I said, call me in between, hmm. they wouldn't. They would wait for our appointment, but then the issue was stale or done. And it feels silly to talk about it. I mean, sometimes there's some value in rehashing a thing that happened, but you're not actually getting to steer the ship on a thing when it is needing steered. And, um, so I slowly over time and very messily (laughs) played around with the model until I figured out how to make it all on call and like as needed. And it's, it's a little unconventional, but it really works. And as you said, when you suddenly don't have someone to talk to, and that's the interesting thing, the reasons that someone doesn't have a place to take a particular conversation are so vast. It's not that they don't have friends or that they don't have a business partner. You know, maybe they have a business partner, but that conversation they can't take to that business conver- that that business partner because it involves them and they need a, an outside party. Um, I have I have one client who is a a tech startup and she called me and she's she's one of my peer groups that I run, which is the other way I I do work. I I do like round tables um, to kind of group it up and then I do the one-on-one work and she's in one of my round tables and she called and she said, I think I'm going to have to engage you like one-on-one. And I said, what's going on? She said, I just, we did a big friends and family round for the startup. She goes, and I just realized that literally everyone 
I bounce things off of, including my husband, mm. is now an investor. Uh-oh. And even though I know <laughs> that they all love me and they will listen, I know that they're an investor, so I don't feel like there are some conversations I can have with them. And that's where, you know, as an expression my mom used to use, if you're if you're having to like cut off your toes to fit in a boot, like if you can't just come to a conversation and have it completely yourself. I mean, those days, I think all leaders have those days where it feels like you just wanna burn it all down and run away and open a hot dog shop somewhere or something, and um, maybe a surf shop or what, join a band. Sure. And uh, you need a place to have those conversations just to have them and get to the other side of them because those aren't usually where they even end up going. It's just a exercising the however you spell the one with the demons not <laughs> not jumping up and down yeah. of, of, of things so yeah i think sometimes when you when 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 i maybe maybe when i read about problems that that ceos have um like if you were to say well jeff bezos is really struggling with that there's probably a lot of people that say well that's kind of tough luck and who gives who who, who really cares what mm-hmm. jeff bezos is struggling with and that's probably a bad example because anybody who is running an organization and to your point now has people who are maybe financially involved with that organization, they they really don't have a lot of the time somebody that they can talk to. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and and that's, that is a real problem, even though it's maybe not the most empathetic thing in the world. I, so, it, no, it's... it's um... It falls into a category of, a, I have several examples of those problems where until you have them, I, I agree, they're, they're hard, it's hard to empathize with Jeff Bezos around a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have billions upon billions of dollars. It would seem like you could solve all of your own problems. But I am here to tell you, it's a special kind of um, like tower room prison mm-hmm. when you, the, like the higher you climb, the not only is there are there fewer people that you can talk to about more things for many many reasons there's more uncertainty and another kind of weird thing the the a lot of times those people don't get feedback good or bad so they don't get compliments often because everyone just assumes they know their everyone assumes they know what they're doing and that they've they've got it all under control and that is never the case mm-hmm. i mean i hear the conversations i hear a lot of conversations that that other people don't hear and that feeling of you know i mean certainly a big topic of like imposter syndrome or the feelings of just like i don't know what i'm doing those never go away and it is quite often the really I'm making my like big chest stance here you know the really uh, seemingly maybe even arrogant but really confident folks who are the most most um, unsure of themselves sometimes and it's just having a place to be able to um, offsides have a conversation because the other thing too is not every conversation, you know, you shouldn't be rolling out every emotional conversation you have as a leader. And they're so aware of that. Like, I don't want my emotional contagion to, you know, to contaminate the space. So they also don't feel like they're allowed to have feelings or be scared or worried or whatnot. So it's just this like constriction upon constriction upon constriction. And it's a very tiny space to navigate when you're at the top of a thing. Yeah. 
Oh, all that all that makes sense. And I'm going to get off this Jeff Bezos thing in just a second. But <laughs> now I, I was thinking I just read about how how one of the other people within the organization is retiring. And they, and I'm, I'm remembering the picture of, of this gentleman and they referred to him as one of Jeff Bezos confidants. Mm-hmm. And now that we're talking about it, I was like, oh, well, that's a, probably that could be a really big deal. You know, mm-hmm. if he's leaving the organization and if that's somebody he could really talk to. So, yeah. So now, yeah, now I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my, one of my clients uh, said that I should, I should call myself uh, and I can't even say it, not to mention spell it, but like in the mob, they have like the conciliaries, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah. but, but the funny thing about it is it, it, um, it can seem like there, there was a period of time as I was making this switch in the business from using my 20 years of being a COO of a growing architecture firm. Cause we, when I started, we had eight people. By the time I left, we had close to 50. And so I saw a lot of different ages and stages. And because I was facilitating the leadership team meetings each week and going to the retreats, like I was part of all those decisions along the way and the bad, our bad decisions as well as our good decisions. And so, you know, I, I, I wanted the work that I was doing when I left and did just this, I had this story about wanting it to be that, you know, like, um, Jody's really smart and strategic and she helps me, you know, be really smart and strategic. And I certainly do plenty of that. I mean, there's, there's not a week goes by that there aren't spreadsheets and decisions and thoughts like that work is in there. But for the first many years that I was doing this work, I was, I was really, I don't know, like insecure, like self, um, just, it felt yucky. The part of it that sometimes I would joke with friends felt like being a friend for hire because there was a lot of the calls, like they would call me a lot of times just when they needed to vent, although they were always sheepish. I was like, sorry, I'm venting, but that stuff has to have a place to go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It has to have somewhere to go or it just sits in there and, 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 and broils. And, um, and that part always felt weird. And I didn't like it when people would say things like, well, I just like talking to you. And I'm, it, to me, it, it fell into this category of almost like getting a job because you're pretty or something. <laughs> it felt like this weird thing. And, um, and I had a real hang up about it for a long time. And then, and then through a combination of many things, one of which is probably just, you know, getting into my forties and, and, and letting go of a lot of things. But, um, I think a big part of it too was having a few situations in my own life where when I didn't have someone to talk things through with and and here's the important thing if it's the reason I think it gets hard is it's this triangle of you need someone who's a good listener so that's certainly one piece of it and someone you have that like kind of chemistry with so it feels like you want to talk with them so that that was the part that sort of felt like a friend for hire but it doesn't quite work if the person doesn't get your business like if they can't quickly kind of understand they don't need to understand every single detail but if they're just pretending to understand the the science part you know the the, the like the structural part of the conversation to make sure that you're not um, completely off the rails which is which is another thing I'll get to that in a second, but um, you really need all those pieces for it to feel satisfying, like you have bounced a thing off another person, <laughs> because otherwise it, it, it like I have clients call me sometimes for, and I think this word is misleading, like validation. It is often used as almost like a stamp of approval, but but really what validation is is like a gut check, right? It's it's am I crazy? Is this a bad idea? Um, like, is this the greatest idea ever? Or is this the worst idea right. ever? And 
to, for that to be authentic, I mean, what is not helpful, and I bet you what Jeff Bezos, let's just talk about Jeff the whole yes. time. <laughs> More Bezos. Jeff Bezos would not, let, let's just, I'm going to make some assumptions about this person, that, that person that is his confidant, I bet you is one of the few people who would say, Jeff, you're an idiot. For or, sure. or like you're being a real jerk right now. Like mm -hmm. those like those truth telling things of where someone will hold the mirror up and say that is the worst idea you've ever had. Or let's talk through that. Some of that's good, but the rest of this is garbage, and you're just you're just trying to avoid some conversation or something. Um, that's sort that sorting mechanism and the willingness to tell the truth about what's not working. Interestingly, I have found it's actually a lot harder to get people to hear the really good things about themselves. They're, they're often really welcoming of the, that's a terrible idea, because they'll accept that really quickly. But accepting where they're actually a really strong leader so they can build on those pieces is actually even harder to get them to get. But it takes both of those things. Um, because if it's a, if someone is, you know, leaders get a lot of yes manning kind of stuff, and it makes them that's that's really that makes people anxious because they don't know where the solid ground is if everyone tells them every idea they have is great. <laughs> yeah. So that validation piece, a place to go where what you come away with is clarity and it's solid ground you can take an action step on instead of just swirling. No, I certainly appreciate that. And I, I, I can see, you know, when somebody says, I, I just like talking to you, that's, I think, for everybody who's listening, probably pretty easy to understand and identify with because you are nice to talk to and um, <laughs> being a good listener, having good chemistry. And to your point, that's kind of like my, I, I could be talking to my dog and he's a good listener and we have great <laughs> chemistry, but he's not going to be able to empathize with the fact that, you know, I'm growing a company or right. at least because my dog has never had experience growing an organization where you spent, you know, 20 years as a chief operating officer for a company. So I think that that's really interesting that there are need to have all, 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 all three of those. And you don't need to be an expert necessarily in, in SAS or healthcare uh -uh. necessarily. It's just, it's just have some practical experience with growing an organization. So, yeah. And because, because sometimes there, there are all these things that I joke are like business puberty um, there are these like stages. One of them is, is this weird thing that happens somewhere at 10. I mean, it's different in some industries, but in a lot of industries, somewhere around when you have like 18 to 24 people, something happens in companies right around that size that just reminds me of puberty. Like you're <laughs> like their legs feel extra long or too short. <laughs> like it's, you smell a little funny. There's just so much weirdness about it. And, um, and everyone thinks they're broken at that time. They think that they've they think that they've done something wrong because. And this is another reason. Here comes my ranty voice. Um, I get I it, part of the reason this work I'm I'm really passionate about it is I think that there is something so toxic about the the sort of this weird taboo setup that we have in the world of business where anything other than it's going great is is considered not okay like you're not allowed to not know or to be nervous like you're supposed to always know where you're headed and exactly how to get there and what's going to happen and oh here are my 18 months of exacting cash flow projections you're like really <laughs> how's that going in 2020 like it's just that's not how business works it is it is not if you're leading a thing with the exception of maybe a franchise, but I would even argue that 
it, there is no map that you're not expected to have a, or you are expected to have a map, but there is no map. You need right. orienting skills to find your way in uncertainty. And so there, there's all this like faux uh, sensibilities out there that I think are that keep people from feeling like they could talk about things. And so the problem with that is not only is that hard on you as a person, but it means that everybody else out there who's having those issues thinks that they're broken when it happens. Like if you think about some of the things that happened to you during puberty, may, I, as a girl, maybe this is more, more, more clear for me. I don't know what it's like for a boy, but if no one ever told you that those things happened and they suddenly happened to you, you would think, Oh my God. Like, <laughs> you'd be like, Oh my God, what's <laughs> happening? It would be terrifying. And I feel like that's, that is what has happened. That's what we've created in the business world because so often, I mean, another weird thing is like when there's an acquisition in play, um, everybody in the company that is getting bought up or merged or whatever, they it's like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs things. All of a sudden, everything feels like a survival conversation. Everyone's afraid that everything means something. They, they're in a different state of like physical being with their central nervous system. And so they make really bad choices about their behavior. They're snappish. They're, they're fearful. They're suspicious. They're, and it feels like everything is unraveling and the wheels are just careening off the cart when in fact, that's just what happens. Like I have yet to have a client go through that and that's not what happens. And so being able to hear like, actually, you're right. This really, really, really sucks and it's totally normal and there is another side to it you just have to manage through it or navigate through it to the other side and not not think you're broken along the way so i think that having that value like your dog might be like oh my god george that sounds like everything's broken <laughs> when in fact you're like no it's fine you'll be fine it's fine my fictitious dog i just want everybody to know I'm like george i didn't know oh, you, you had a dog no, I don't even have one. Oh, but but if I did, it would sound exactly as <laughs> as you just voiced him or her. I was you 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 just you sound and look like someone who would have a really big fluffy golden yeah. retriever that, of some kind. That, so. that's, yes, and and what would the dog's name be, Jody? Uh, I was thinking Baxter. Okay, Baxter. All right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Jody Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Oh, I'm just going to stick with our don't be Jeff Bezos. Now, um, mm. I, if any of that resonates, if any of that feels like, oh, my God, that's how it feels. I don't have someone to talk to. Find someone. It doesn't. Um, there are peer groups there. Call me. In fact, when when um, the, the, the page that I'm going to give you here in a second, which you can find my podcast as well as my services. But there I believe so strongly in this that. Um, I have a little 20 minute, you, you can schedule a 20 minute session with me and I want to be super clear with you. This is not a sales call. If you did want to talk to me about sales, I will not talk to you about it on, on this call. This is just purely a, if you have a conversation that has nowhere to go, I am happy to share 20 of my minutes with you to have that conversation because I feel really, really strongly about how important this is. It's not a, not a, a sales pitch lead generation thing. I just want you to feel what it feels like. And maybe you can talk about, well, who else can you talk to? What options are, do you have in your life for people? Because a lot of times it's one more place where they think they don't have people they can talk to and they actually do. It's just another story that's in the way. Like that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on, come on. Jody, thank you so much for coming on. 
Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they where can they sign up for this 20 minutes? Um, at leadingclarity.com. It's a little page to show you all any anything uh, for the show that I host. You can subscribe there. You can sign up for the 20 minutes and read a little bit more about all the work that I do. I love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jody your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to leadingclarity.com. Check out all the great stuff that Jody's working on and grab 20 of those minutes. Thank you again, Jody. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.